0: welcome to nope never saw it i'm gina a movie lover
1: and i'm sonia a movie not lover
0: my mission is to make sonia watch all the movies she's never seen
1: and my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say nope never saw it so we started this podcast we hope you enjoy it so gina yes sonia i'm ready let's get started
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, and with me always is the lovely, beautiful Sonia. Hi, Hi, Gina. Hi. (laughs) We're going to be talking about Stand By Me today. I'm really, really excited to talk about this film. It has been years since I've seen it, but I saw it a lot when I was younger, many, many times. So this has been an interesting revisit for me. Sonia, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. You're very yeah. quiet right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm formulating my thoughts. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, before we get into the movie, we're going to start with our traditional friend share. Friend share. Sonia, I have to tell you that my friend share is going to blow your mind. Really? I have been sitting on something for a week now, and I have been dying to share this with you. <gasps> I made a discovery. It's, it's podcast related. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah. I feel like you need to buckle your seatbelt for this.
1: I feel like I need to sit down, except I'm already sitting. You're down. already sitting. Can
0: you <laughs> sit any lower than Should I? Sitting?
1: Maybe I should lie on the floor.
0: Maybe you should. <laughs> okay. So remember in our last episode when we were talking about pretty women and I had told you that Mr. Henkel's from friends was Vivian's landlord. Yep. And you had also mentioned that Hank Azaria had a little cameo in Pretty Woman. Hank Azaria was also in Friends yeah, as Phoebe's boyfriend, David, the nerdy scientist. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about it and I realized Julia Roberts also had a cameo in Friends. Yeah. As well as did Jason Alexander. Yes, he did. And then I was thinking... When we watched Pulp Fiction, we talked about Bruce Willis, and you brought up how he was Elizabeth's father, Elizabeth, who was Ross's student girlfriend. We don't need to get into that relationship (laughs) right now. I think student girlfriend covered it. (laughs) Right, student girlfriend. Um, And then I, I started thinking, wait a second, is it possible That every movie that we've talked about so far has some sort of connection to the television show Friends.
1: Oh, man.
0: And you know what?
1: The answer is yes.
0: The answer is yes. Would you like to hear what I found? I do. Okay. Are you so excited? I'm
1: super excited. I I love the show Friends for anyone who is not aware, which probably isn't very many people, but I think I've brought it up multiple times in our past episodes. And um, as referenced in an earlier episode, we're doing a rewatch. Um, so I'm super pumped for this.
0: Yeah. Okay. So when Harry met Sally, Billy Crystal made a cameo appearance in an episode of friends with Robin Williams at Cafe Perk. Also Central Perk, Central Park. sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a big fan of Friends. I don't know why, I I think the drink is hitting me already. So he made a cameo appearance with Robin Williams. He also starred with Lisa Kudrow in the movie Analyze This. Okay, nope, never saw it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) In The Matrix, Keanu Reeves starred in, and I can't believe, I don't think I mentioned this movie when we talked about The Matrix. And I'm ashamed that I didn't because it's one of my favorite Keanu Reeves films the replacements have you seen the replacements nope never saw it you have to see it he is super hot in the replacements (laughs) he's a quarterback so he's not like wiry neo he's like bulky quarterback keanu but he was in the replacements with john favreau who played monica's millionaire boyfriend pete becker Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in la la land emma stone starred with Lisa Kudrow in the movie Easy A, which I know you haven't seen yet, but we are going to make sure that you see that movie. Excellent. Now, The Karate Kid was a little difficult. I had to do <coughs> some digging, but I found that Pat Morita um, and Lauren Tom, who played Ross's girlfriend, Julie, both voiced characters in Mulan 2. Okay. All right. And this is final tap. I found a couple of different things. Michael McKeon was in the producers. He had a small role in producers. And so did John Lovitz, who started in an episode of friends, actually two episodes, one Mm -hmm. as a stone guy, and then another as a blind date, which I think is the same guy. And, yeah, I just watched- guy.
1: Yeah, and I just watched that episode. That's okay. Oh, stop it. That's so crazy. The second yeah. one. The second appearance.
0: Okay. Um, Harry Shearer was in My Best Friend's Wedding. That starred Julia Roberts, who was in an episode of Friends, and Dylan McDermott, Dylan McDermott who played Gavin, Rachel's co-worker, and mm-hmm. brief love interest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Christopher brief. Guest was also in A Few Good Men, and so was Noah Wiley, who Guest appeared in an episode with George Clooney as the cute doctor. Yep. And we also have a friend connection, friends connection for today's movie, Stand By Me. Would you like to know that connection now or do you want me to save it for later? Can I guess the person?
1: And then if I'm right, you can say it. And if I'm wrong, then we'll save it for later. Okay. Is it Jerry O'Connell?
0: Yes. Do you know what the connection is? It's
1: Rebecca Romaine. What? (laughs) (laughs) He's married to Rebecca Romaine. Right. Who was on an episode of Friends. She was the dirty girl. That sounds dirtier than
0: it is. I Mm -hmm. didn't even think about that. (laughs) My connection is that he was in Scream 2 with Courtney Cox. Oh, yes.
1: Also true.
0: So, Sonia. Yeah. This has me thinking. Is it possible that the television show Friends is the center of all things? I think so. Because there were so many seasons and so
1: many, like, guest stars on it I bet right. you we will always be able to find a connection
0: me too which is why I would like to propose that we add a new little segment to all of our episodes called the friends connection I think that that is great I'm so excited me too. This is
1: my like worlds of things I love are just I continuing know. to collide
0: well, Gina this- cocktails friends right <laughs> And this is also what I'm thinking, because I know how much you love the television show Friends, and I know you have lukewarm feelings about movies, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking maybe if we can bring a little bit of the Friends connection in, it'll just make you secretly, I'm like trying to like trick you into loving movies. Okay. I like it. Are you on board?
1: I am 100% on board.
0: Yes. All right. That's my friend share.
1: Nice. And it really was a friend share.
0: It was a (laughs) friend (laughs) share.
1: So, mine is (laughs) now way less interesting.
0: Oh, but you're so interesting, and I love you, and I can't wait to hear it.
1: Oh, thank you. It is still TV related. So, do you remember how I made you watch The Vow? Yes. So, in case anyone's unfamiliar with The Vow, it was an HBO documentary about Nexium, that um, cult (laughs) that was. Let's just call it what it was. It was a sex cult. And it was um, run under the guise of being like like a leadership program company kind of thing. And anyway, um, it's been in the news a lot or, or it was at the time that they sort of got busted. And what's crazy is that there was an actress from the TV show Smallville who was a big participant of and possible leader of this cult. Right. Um, And so Sean and I recently started watching Smallville. And it is so weird just knowing like the reality of this person's life and seeing her play this character which right now they're in high school so it's like extra weird
0: oh yeah um
1: but I just thought that you would find that interesting since I had made you watch the
0: yeah I have not and I haven't watched Smallville at all is it a good
1: show It's okay. We're in the, we just start, we didn't just start watching it because we're in the third, about to go into the third season or maybe end the third season. Okay. But in any case, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I am not a huge Superman fan. Like I think we know I haven't seen the movies, at least not the old movies, I think.
0: I actually Maybe didn't I know that until now. I thought,
1: we, I thought we had talked about these. <laughs> no, um, so. Well, nope, never saw. Him. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I know <some> <laughs> so, this is very much like his origin story. And, you know, it's sort of extra interesting because th- he's got like the teenage angst angle because he's mm-hmm. in high school. Um, but it's kind of interesting how they come up with like how he gets his different powers and stuff Um, and some of the powers that he has I didn't even know he had so like Sean was like oh it's so interesting how they came up with this and I was like oh I didn't realize that that was something Superman could do I just knew he was really strong (laughs) Um, but I mean it's it's like a typical like early 2000 CW WB show
0: okay well let me know like how it all goes and if it's worth the watch I will.
1: I think it is. This is Sean's second time watching it. Okay. So maybe that means it's good. <laughs> it's entertaining enough. If you're looking for a show with a lot of seasons and that's really easy to watch, it's a good, I would recommend it. All
0: right, cool. I'm going to add that to my list.
1: Um, I also, I think I mentioned in the last episode, my friend Cher was that we were tasting various Drake's snack cakes. Um, so I wanted to give a quick update on that and also explain that the snack cake challenge has now extended to other brands oh um, so it won't just be drake's there will be some other brands in there um but so far the two that we have tried are yodels and devil dogs mm-hmm. and yodels are still number one devil dogs a little too dry for me
0: okay so they don't so they really are different they are different
1: okay a yodel is like maybe it has like more like of a fudge texture oh and then a devil dog is like a kind of dry (laughs) chocolate cake with like a thin layer of frosting yeah that sounds gross it's not gross it's just not like if you know I'd rather have that than no chocolate but that's fair I'd rather have a yodel than a double dog okay all right and then I also just wanted to give one other update From the last episode I referenced during Pretty Woman, that there was a scene where Sean said, Oh, now I get that scene from Dumb and Dumber. And when we were re listening to the episode, he was surprised that you didn't know what scene it was because you have presumably seen Dumb and Dumber. I
0: have seen it. It's been a while since I've seen it, though. Fair.
1: Fair. Well, I was like, most people don't remember movies. Clearly, I am of that
0: camp. I never remember. No, you're of the most people don't watch movies. (laughs) (laughs)
1: But there's so
0: many that you're like, have you seen that?
1: I'm like, I. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I just don't remember it. Um, but it's the scene where I guess they're trying on tuxedos for some reason. And okay. they, one of them keeps coming out to show the other one. And then either the dumb one or the dumber one is like, no. And then finally they find one they like.
0: Oh, okay. I feel like that's, <laughs> a, that's a pretty common trope in a lot of films. I don't know if that, that originated with Pretty Woman. But I mean... Like I said, in our last episode, I love me a good makeover montage. And so many of them have, you know, the girl trying the stuff on and she comes out and shows whoever the audience is. And they're either like thumbs up, thumbs down. Yes. No, you know, so that's, that's, I think that's pretty common, but yeah, I, well, now I want to rewatch Dumb and Dumber to just to see if it, if it really is like very similar to Pretty Woman.
1: Well, we should add it to our list if it's not already on there.
0: Oh, I added it. Oh, good. It is on there. Oh, it is on. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: do you want to talk about what we're drinking? I I do. do. We are drinking a Shandy, which is a very easy drink to make. I guess maybe borderline cocktail, maybe not a cocktail because it doesn't have liquor in it. But I think any sort of mixed drink, I would consider a cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a Shandy is half beer and half lemonade. And I was telling Gina before we started recording that I ended up using a full beer just because when I was pouring it into the glass, it didn't, it didn't fill up the glass that much. So I was, (laughs) I just kind of kept going and then I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I got to the end and the lemonade that I'm using is like the Minute Maid, lemonade. So I know that that one's really sweet. So Mm. I figured I would want to use less than half lemonade to beer. And my proportions were great, in my opinion. Gina, what kind of beer did you use?
0: I was really hoping you'd ask me this. I am drinking an Einstuck.
1: Oh, you love that beer?
0: I love this beer. I'm drinking the white ale. Um, For anybody who's not familiar, it's an Icelandic beer. This beer is amazing. And Lee is the one who found this beer and introduced me to it. And it's so; it's very similar to um, a Blue Moon.
1: So it's like a wheat beer.
0: Yeah, it's a wheat beer. Um, in fact, I think one time we, we couldn't find Einstück. So we got Blue Moon and we felt that they were pretty similar. But I, I like the Einstück better. And I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but it's that fun to say right. it the way I'm saying it.
1: Sounds totally right.
0: Right, yeah. So I, so I'm drinking Einsteck. I stayed with the proportions. I did six ounces of beer, six ounces of lemonade. I didn't get the minute made lemonade. I got um, something that was cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> just following my tradition. Um, but um, but it is delightful and delicious, and it's a perfect day to drink this because it's warm and sunny, and mm, it's just getting me all excited about about the warmer weather.
1: Excellent. Yeah. And- for those who may not be familiar with a shandy, so it as we said, it's a half beer, half lemonade. And you're supposed to use a light beer. Usually a wheat beer is is recommended or a light lager. But the website that Gina and I were looking at when considering this drink also said that if you like IPAs, you could try that. And I had an IPA, so I figured I would try it. And it was really, really, really
0: good. Okay. I'm I'm always hesitant with IPAs because they're a little, sometimes they're just too hoppy for me.
1: Yeah, it's only a recent time that I'm I'm into IPAs, but I really really hated them for a long time. But I think once you find one you like, you can kind of get the flavor in your head before. I don't know. I feel like it's usually like a really startling flavor to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found an IPA that I liked, and now I feel like it is the gateway of other IPAs for me. Which IPA is it? You know, Gina, if I had the can, it, the in particular, this one is in a can. Uh-huh. It's called Wrench or something. I don't okay. know who the brewer is. I'll post a picture of it on our Instagram so okay. so everyone can see what it is. But I recommend it. It's very okay.
0: Good. Well, I feel like if you like it, then I'll probably like it too. Awesome. Are we ready to talk about Stand by Me? Mm hmm. Okay. Here we go. Let's get into it. So, Stand by Me was released in nineteen eighty six. Directed by Rob Reiner. Okay, so before we go any further, this kept me up at night because I realized that this is the third Rob Reiner film that I have picked for our podcast. And we're still in the very early stages. I don't even know if this is going to upset people because I've been been trying to be as, um, I've been trying to like touch on as many, different genres as possible and mix it up but also pick movies that obviously Sonia you haven't seen um, but maybe other people have seen and I didn't realize that I I've landed on a third Rob Reiner film and it's really made me think I I guess I really like Rob Reiner (laughs) well I think it's okay
1: because I also think like a director is a director is such a behind the scenes kind of person even though they have such an impact on the movie but i think like a a good director is one that can do a really good job with a different kind of story so i think it's i think it's okay i think if you had picked three movies with the same actor which is even though an actor can also be very diversified in their talent that's you know it's not as behind the scenes we'd be seeing that person's face for one and a half plus hours every episode and that would be a lot so i think director's okay
0: yeah and and i and i will say in my defense also these movies are so very different from each other you know stand by me this is final tap and when harry met sally are all very different films um if i had picked like three quentin tarantino films i think that because i feel that he has a very distinct style that maybe the conversation would be a little different. I'd be like, Gina,
1: can you please, please, please pick something else? Mix it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if anybody is disappointed that I have picked a third Rob Reiner film, I'm sorry, not sorry. Okay. Um, so directed by Rob Reiner, written by, it's actually an adaptation of Stephen King's novella, The Body. Um, screenplay was written by Raynan Gideon and Bruce A. Evans, starring Will Wheaton as Gordie Lachance, River Phoenix as Chris Chambers, Corey Feldman as Teddy Duchamp. I just had to say it like that. Jerry O'Connell as Vern Tessio, Kiefer Sutherland as Ace Merrill, and Richard Dreyfuss as the writer. And in the tradition of Nope Never Saw It, Sonia, I made a list of films that are connected to these names that I have just listed. And I'm going to quiz you to see whether you've seen them or not. Okay. If you've seen it, you say, I've seen it. If not, what do you say? Nope, never saw it. Okay, I'm not going to do Rob Reiner again because <laughs> that's been <laughs> that's been done. Um, also for the Rain and Gideon and Bruce A. Evans who wrote the screenplay, when I looked up um, their other credits, I had not seen any of the other movies that they had written. So I did not list any films for them. However, Stephen King has had several of his novels and novellas adapted for the screen so I'm gonna read off some of my favorites are mm-hmm. you ready I'm ready Harry
1: w- I'm sorry what Carrie oh Carrie I think you said Harry <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, Harry? um he has a movie called Carrie and I've seen that
0: <laughs> you've seen Carrie <laughs> okay cool I have. <laughs> all right and I know you've already we've already established The Shining yes okay Pet Cemetery.
1: um Edward Furlong is in that no oh Really?
0: No, unless there was a reboot. There was a reboot, but this is like the original from the 90s that I'm thinking That's what
1: I was thinking. Um, I am not sure. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, Nope, never saw it.
0: All right. The Running Man. Nope, never saw it. Oh boy, that's a classic Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Okay. Uh, Will Wheaton also, uh, he voiced a character in the animated film, The Secret of Nim.
1: Nope, never saw it.
0: Uh, He was also in Toy Soldiers.
1: Nope, never saw it
0: okay river phoenix was in the mosquito coast nope never saw it indiana jones in the last crusade nope never saw it okay hang on a second i have to pause (laughs) have you seen any of the indiana jones movies um i fell asleep so oh god oh my god i cannot wait to add these to the list so you've never I seen Raiders to... of the Lost Ark or you fell asleep during it? I think I fell asleep during every single one.
1: I know Sean and I tried to watch them and I fell uh-huh. asleep and then we didn't watch. Mm, I've seen the one with the kid who was like, I love you, Dr. Jones. That's the Temple of Doom. So
0: you've seen okay, I've that seen one the whole one. time. But you've that never one, seen. I'm a... Okay. Were Raiders of the Lost Ark you've never seen or you I fell don't... asleep?
1: I think I fell asleep. We We should confirm this with Sean.
0: Okay. We'll confirm later. But okay. you've not seen The Last Crusade. okay so I love you to death
1: nope never saw it
0: okay sneakers
1: nope never saw it I'm striking out
0: (laughs) no but you know what sneakers I saw once and it was deeply disturbing I won't make you watch it um running on empty
1: nope never saw it
0: okay Corey Feldman uh voiced uh young Cooper young copper sorry in the Disney animated film the fox and the hound uh
1: nope never saw it okay Which seems weird because i love animated animals
0: i know and there are dogs in this one yeah all right okay that's okay um he was also in friday the 13th the final chapter
1: i don't think i've ever seen that
0: okay um the goonies
1: nope never saw it
0: okay license to drive
1: nope never saw it
0: oh boy dream a little dream <laughs>
1: nope never saw it
0: okay um, Jerry O'Connell. And again, I know some of these movies, I, I know you haven't seen, we've established these, but I'm just reminding everybody. <laughs> here, here <we> go. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell was in Jerry Maguire.
1: Nope. Never saw it.
0: Scream two. Yes. Okay. Can't hardly wait. Yes. Okay. Mission to Mars.
1: Nope. Never saw it.
0: All right. Kiefer Sutherland was in young guns. Nope. Never saw it. The three musketeers.
1: Um, I've seen parts of it, but couldn't tell you if I've seen the whole thing. Okay.
0: Um, a Time to Kill.
1: Yes, I've seen that. That's a good movie. It is a good movie.
0: And LA Confidential. Nope, never saw it. Okay. Richard Dreyfuss, who played the writer, has an uncredited role in The Graduate.
1: I've seen that movie.
0: Okay, cool. American Graffiti.
1: Nope, never saw it.
0: All right. Jaws, you've seen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Stakeout.
1: Nope, never saw it. Always. Nope, never saw it.
0: The American President.
1: No, but I wanted to see that when it was out and I was a kid. Never, nope, never saw it.
0: You know, can I tell you, The American President, when I uh, I took a film class in college and for one, I think it was, it wasn't for our final exam, but one of the, we had to watch a film that was in the theater. So the professor told us He chose the American president because that film had just come out. So we had to go to the theaters and watch it. But then we had to write this very detailed essay about the movie. Sonia, I went to the theaters. I paid for one ticket, but I sat in that movie theater for an entire day. I must have watched that film like four or five times in a row. So I know that film pretty well to the point where like, and there were some other people in my film class that were also there. And we're like, Hey, you're here for the uh, assignment, right? We're like, yeah. So we ended up like sitting together. And by like the fourth or fifth viewing, we were reciting the whole film. Oh my God. I <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it many times. Okay. Mr. Holland's Opus.
1: Um, yes.
0: Okay. And W.
1: Nope. Never saw it.
0: Okay. So we've got some, some films to add to this list, which I'm really excited about, but I'm also proud that you've seen some of these movies.
1: Yeah. I feel like I did a, a bad job
0: no you didn't i'm i'm throwing a lot of movies at you that um i don't know how if a lot of people have even seen them. okay <laughs> all right so in our last episode i asked you what you thought stand by me was about and i'm gonna read to you what you said to me are you ready yeah. <laughs> this is sonia's original plot summary for stand by me it's a group of boys and they are trying to find a dead body And um, Jerry O'Connell is in it. And he's a little bigger than he is now, though not really, because he's an adult now. So he probably weighs more. Um, Okay. I don't know a lot about this movie except for that.
1: I'm sorry, Jerry (laughs) O'Connell. You are a delight.
0: He is a delight.
1: And then I felt bad because in like the whole movie, they just kept commenting on his weight. And I was like, I'm them.
0: But you know what? I don't think he's really... I remember differently. When I was little, I remember thinking that he was heavy like over like overweight but when I was watching it this time I was like I I don't really think he's he's really not he's just like a kid who
1: you know when you're a kid you're a little bigger than normal just because like you know they call it baby fat
0: exactly like he hadn't grown out of his baby fat yet Mm -hmm. yeah and I do think he was the youngest of the cast yeah I think
1: think he was like 11 Mm -hmm. and they were all more than 11 yeah
0: (laughs) All right, so do you have a real plot summary? I do. All right, I'm ready.
1: Okay. Do you guys want to go see a dead body? And with these nine words, an adventure begins. Gordy, Chris, Teddy, and Vern are four friends who decide to spend their last weekend of summer before junior high in search of the body of a missing boy. Over the course of the two-day trip, they fight, they laugh, and they cry. And they learn a lot about each other, themselves, and life. It's in these two short days of their childhood that their future as friends and the men that they are destined to become starts to take shape. Oh, and they do find the body.
0: Sonia, that was so good. Thank you. I know I say this every episode, but I really think you could make a career out of writing movie plot summaries. I would enjoy that. And the problem is I'd have to watch the movie.
1: That's true. That's very You know, true. everybody has parts of their jobs that they don't like.
0: Right. Yeah. Could you imagine? What do you do? I write movie plot summaries. That's cool. Yeah. Except I don't like movies. Yeah. But.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if someone wants to hire me to do that and pay me millions of dollars, send us an email at n-s- podcast at gmail.com.
0: Oh, that's right. We have an email. We do. Do you ever check it?
1: no, but I will now, now that we've
0: shared it with other people. Right. Exactly.
1: Maybe I have it on my phone. I just never. Oh,
0: okay, cool. All right. So, all right. So let's get into this. Now this movie came out in 1986, as I said before. Um, so I was like eight years old when it came out. I definitely did not see it when I was eight years old. I don't think, but, um, I know that I was really young when I first saw it. I've, I've, watched it many many times as a child and early teen but i really don't remember if i've revisited it more than once or twice since then um so this viewing for me was a really different experience i i definitely my emotional reaction to it was different than when i was a child um i you know as an adult took away different things than I did when I was younger Um, but I want to hear about your first impressions of the movie
1: so I mean this is one of those movies that you always hear about as like one of the quintessential coming-of-age stories and for a long time I I also and it's so funny Sean had the same had the same like thought in his head when I said that this was the next movie he was like oh isn't that movie really long and I was like, yeah, I think it's like super long, to the point where I was like, I was thinking, oh, maybe Gina and I should do two episodes about it. But then we both realized that we were thinking of The Stand, oh. and not Stand by Me. <laughs> <laughs> so then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, it's an hour and a half, <laughs> not that long. A <laughs> <not> long movie. <laughs> um, but that's sort that's a little bit beside the point. So I went into the movie kind of expecting to make it, expecting it to make me feel nostalgic, and it. 100% did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really liked that. I really liked the feeling that the movie gave me of reminding me of what it's like to be a kid and kind of carefree, even though, you know, you think you, I mean, they're carefree, but they have real problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it, it's obviously very different when you're not so in charge of what you're what your life is um which you know obviously in some ways is incredibly crippling but looking back on it now you're like oh well I wish I knew then what I know now mm-hmm. um so I really I really liked it I I felt that the movie made me feel incredibly sad for a lot of reasons which mm-hmm. we'll get into as we talk about it more um but I did I did like it ultimately. I don't know that I would watch it again though because it's it was a little boring <laughs> <laughs> um, so clearly I have very mixed view again I will I will ultimately say I liked it, the movie I really enjoyed watching it and I'm glad that you picked it and that we're discussing it. um I just don't know that I would watch it again, but I also would not watch most movies again
0: <laughs> right yeah but but I I think it's really heavy it's a heavy mm-hmm. film and yeah and the pacing is slow. Um, you know, there are a lot of long shots, wide, you know, wide, wide shots of them walking,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, in front, we see them in the distance and, um, you know, in visually it's very beautiful. Um, the pace is slow, but it is really heavy. And that was something that really got me this time. And I don't know why, and I'm, you know, questioning my, um, my state of mind and emotional well-being when i was younger because when i was like early teens you know like 12 or 13 years old when i was probably watching this movie i remembered it as a comedy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is really weird i mean i think because i think that i probably as a younger viewer focused more on the you know the relationships between the boys and and not like when it got really heavy, but you know, the joking around, like the picking on mm-hmm. Vern, the, you know, the um, when they're singing, like when they're, when they're singing lollipop and mm-hmm. all of those little things that I just thought were really fun. Um, and that's what I took away from it. And I'm wondering if it be, was because I, I was at an age where I really couldn't wrap my mind around those deeper issues that they were struggling with. I don't think I, I don't think I understood it. I don't think I, related to it. And uh, so I missed that, but, you know, watching it now I, as an adult, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like they had some pretty serious things going on with each of them.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's so interesting that you say that because one of the the notes that I took was, is, is this movie for children or is this movie for adults? And I think you're right. I think, I actually think in a way this movie is perfect because it does have, it does have elements for both and I think as children you are but you know watching it as a, a young child or a young adult you're probably you are focusing on the jokes that they're making and there it's funny there's a lot of like Vern is kind of an amazing character like he's mm-hmm. the one getting picked on but he just dishes it right back to them which I loved yeah um And I think, you know, the search for the body and you know the the fun that they're having and this is how they're choosing to spend their summer and you know the nostalgia, as I mentioned before, was a big a big part of the movie that appealed to me. And it like it really made me remember those days of you leave the house at like ten o'clock in the morning, meet up with friends, and you're not home until like after dinner sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you know, I could almost smell what summer smelled like Um, just, just watching it. But then, you know, we're obviously watching it as adults and you do pick up on the, the really serious elements of the movie and how tortured some of these characters are because of the circumstances that they're in and they have no control over. And then I think, you know, ultimately I'd be interested to know what your thoughts were when you watched, if you can remember, but Mm -hmm. when you watched the movie, when you were younger, when they actually found the body Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I think as a, as a younger person, you're probably kind of like, Oh, that's so, Whoa, that's creepy and weird. But you don't, in most cases you probably don't have the connection with death that you might as an adult. And even if you haven't really experienced a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, you know what it means and you know how heavy that is. So like my impression when they find the body was like, just totally freaked out Um, which I think that the boys in the movie at least some of them you kind of see that same look on their face Um, and maybe that's just the reaction you would have if you do
0: find a body at that at that young age yeah if I if I had to answer what I think my reaction was when I was younger I I don't think I really got the gravity of Mm -hmm. that scene you know to me I think it was almost like they were on a treasure hunt and they found the treasure and I'm not, not to equate a dead body with a treasure, but you know, they, they were on this journey and they reached the end of it. So if I'm, you know, really trying to dig back to that time when I would watch the movie as, you know, as a younger Gina, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I think for me, it felt like the end of a journey. As opposed to, a be- the beginning of their adulthood, yeah, like the start of another journey. And I and I do remember always feeling that there was this ownership that they had because they found the body first, and that that conflict between the boys and Ace. Mm-hmm. You know, we found it first; it's our body. Um, and and then Gordy being the one that's saying nobody's nobody's you know getting credit for this. We're gonna call anonymously. Yeah. let, you know, let's let someone else take care of it. And I always, I remember feeling really disappointed every time that would happen. Cause I was like, no, you just like spent all of this time, you know, you followed these train tracks for miles and miles and miles to find this body and you found it. And now you're just going to give it up. And I didn't understand why, mm-hmm. you know, as an adult now I I get it. Um, I, I understand that it's, that it's not about who's going to get the reward because this there's a dead child yeah you know it doesn't matter nothing matters because this person lost their life tragically um and and that's and that's more important than who's going to get a reward for finding Mm -hmm. finding this poor kid
1: and I feel like I wonder if somehow that was intentional like That's the whole point of this, is that this is an experience that at whatever stage in your life you're at, you're going to interpret it differently. And whatever has happened to you, you're going to have a different opinion of how they should have handled that situation. Because I think even amongst the four boys, like Chris and Gordy definitely seem to be the most adamant about not calling it in. I think if it were up to Vern and Teddy, maybe it would have ended up a little bit differently and I think in terms of maturity Vern and Teddy were not as mature as Chris and Gordy
0: I agree and I think for Gordy I mean he had already faced not faced death but he's you know he's still mourning the loss of his brother so I think he's seeing things a little different a lot differently than his friends because he knows that death is final he knows that he can't ever bring his brother back no reward is going to make him feel better about losing his brother who, by the way, I absolutely adore. Um, and, and that not just because it's John Cusack, but. because <laughs> I, I That
1: character was so loving. Yeah. Exactly what he needed.
0: Yeah. And it, you know what, you know, what really got me about this movie, you know, watching it now being a parent and um, mm-hmm. it, it, it broke my heart to see how gordy's father spoke to him and how you can see how how blatantly he prefers denny to gordy um even in death you know um and you know and i can understand i mean i i God, like the thought of losing my son is it make, takes my breath away. I, yeah. I don't even know. I could never, I don't think I would want to exist without mm-hmm. him in this world. Um, you know, the, to lose a child is probably the, the biggest tragedy any parent can ever experience. Sure. Um, so I, I understand, you know, the mother's absence, you know, her disconnect. Um, and we only see her in that one scene, um, you know, but but we understand that there's been a disconnect between Gordy and his father for a long time, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't. Gordy doesn't have anybody now. It seems like Denny was always the one person that was always looking out for him, um, and now he's lost that. So he gets lost. He gets death, and and you know, and sadly, he had to learn that at a very young age. So it makes sense to me that he would be one of the ones to make that mature decision. Like, no, we're not calling this in. Yeah. yeah,
1: And I think that's also why he was so obsessed with finding the body maybe because, you know, I think in some ways, maybe it was helping him process what had happened with his brother. And, you know, we don't know what the backstory of, I mean, we know that the brother died in an accident, but we don't know, like, you know, Gordy, did Gordy get to say goodbye to him? Did he have any, you know, what was their last interaction? And maybe in some way for him, Finding this body, helping raise parents find closure was his way of of processing what had happened and
0: and helping him move forward. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that I, I think one of the things that makes us, you know, a quintessential coming of age story as you said is that we really don't have many adults mm-hmm. in this movie, right? I mean, we we meet Gordy's parents, but, Teddy's parents, Vern's parents, Chris's parents, you know, they talk about them, but we never meet them. Um, you know, even like the other, you know, the the gang, like the only adults we see, Gordy's parents briefly, there's the junkyard, the, guy. The junkyard guy, the um, the clerk at the the market
1: mm-hmm. when
0: Gordy buys the food. And I think that's it, right? Yeah.
1: And Chris talks about the teacher. Right. And she is not anybody you would want to be if what he says is true
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. so there's just so much focus on on these boys and and their perspective so because we're getting their point of view on everything and in a really interesting time too because it's that summer between grammar school and junior high Mm -hmm. you know there's always so much focus on like going from junior high to high school but that but that transition from grammar school to junior high it's a big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. <It really laughs> and I thought it was really interesting. I noticed this this time around that the first time we meet the four boys they're in the treehouse and they're playing cards and then the last scene with Chris and Gordy is them standing outside the treehouse. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I felt like that was a really interesting choice in depicting how they have reached the end of a specific chapter in their life. You know, like they've just had this, they've gone on this journey together. They have found this dead body. They, they've kind of like reached this point of no return, mm-hmm. right? They're never going to be the same after that experience. Um, they're forever changed by it. And um, it's, it's, I think it kind of thrusts them into the, um, adolescence. I don't want to say adulthood because I, I think it's more like that adolescence period. Yeah,
1: Just that next stage where you, you do start to actually think about your life and interpret it in a way that is more serious. And I think even that first scene where you see them in the treehouse and they're like playing cards and smoking cigarettes, which is like you know, at first I was like, they're like tiny adults. Like even Chris has the cigarette pack, like rolled up in his sleeve. Yeah. And it's sort of like, that's them being adults, but it's fully make-believe. And then, as you say, at the end, it shows them outside of the treehouse where, you know, it's sort of like, this is now where reality hits. When you were in the treehouse, that's when you guys were make-believe pretending that you were these adult grown men. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's time to face reality and you're not men yet, but you're starting to get there.
0: I actually, you know, when I was reading up um, about this film and, and, you know, some of the behind the scenes making of it, there were, I don't know if Sonia, you ran across some of this, um, some of the stories about, about the young actors, like some of the trouble that they got into <laughs> when they were A making little the film, bit,
1: but you keep going.
0: I mean, I and and I'm I didn't write everything down. Um, there were there were some some things that they were talking about that where I was like, wait, how old were they when they when they filmed this? Like, I remember there was a story, and I I'm I might be misquoting this, but I think Jerry O'Connell. There was some sort of Renaissance fair nearby, and he ate something that had something in it, and then he was tripping, um, yeah. in the woods. I, heard,
1: I read it was just weed.
0: It Was it? Okay. Yeah. So like, like a pot brownie he probably yeah. ate. Yeah. Um. He was, what, 11 years old? Mm-hmm. He was 12 when the movie was released. Yeah. But, I mean, so he must have been like 11, maybe 12.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and not movie. to minimize, like, <laughs> that would be, like, to eat a pot brownie at the age of 11 would be traumatizing
0: really traumatizing <laughs> yeah um I also read that river phoenix had lost his virginity during I read that movie. too and he, he was, was like
1: 14 or 15. For
0: like 15 or 16 right um uh Corey Feldman like apparently like drank and smoked and he was about 14 15 years old um and it, it was really interesting to me, to read that because I'm, because I'm, you know, I'm reading about these. And I'm like, wait, how old were they when? And they're so young, and yeah. and it's kind of interesting how. Um, and again, I'm just this is just something that's coming to me now. How, um, you know, this this film is about these boys coming of age and sort of being thrust into this next stage of their lives because of this journey that they decide to embark on, but as child actors i think there's a parallel there you know like there's a maturity expected of them they they have to rise to the occasion and um you know you know just like hearing reading about some of these stories which you know i'm, a, I'm going to assume they're true but they might not be mm-hmm. um is so i think kind of parallels what they're experiencing in the film which i thought was kind of interesting
1: yeah i i had the same thought as you were Describing these stories. Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: great minds think alike.
1: <laughs> um. Well, one of the things I also wanted to talk about is you and I are are of different ages, but I think we're close enough in age that our childhood experiences were probably pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And I understand this movie was supposed to take place in the late '50s, mm-hmm. and you know we were children in the '80s. But right. I feel like in a lot of ways, as I had mentioned before, like this movie reminded me so much of my summers and you know riding my bike with my friends forever and watching the sun set and it didn't really matter like my mom knew I was fine and it was safe and everything was okay and there were no cell phones and there was you know none of that stuff to get in the way and Sean and I were talking about this after we finished the movie yesterday like in some ways, it, it almost feels like we're either the last or one of the very last generations that could probably really relate to this movie, even though there's a 30-year difference between when the events of this movie take place and when we were actually children, just because the childhood experience is probably so different now. And and not that every kid has a cell phone or every kid, you know. It, it, also, yesterday, after I finished watching the movie, I went to CVS. And as I was pulling into the parking lot, there was like a group of boys on bikes. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is so funny because I I, w- I had <laughs> Sean and I had just had this conversation and I was just formulating this thought, but it was very different. They did have their cell phones out and, you know, they were, I don't know what they were doing and I don't know how long they'd been out there, but it just like their mannerisms just felt really different from what I remember being their age and, mm-hmm. you know, spending a Sunday like the first nice Sunday out with my friends. So it's just, you know, it's just so interesting. Like I miss those days of wandering around and having no responsibility and no real plans. You're just doing whatever. And you run across whoever you come like you just run into people because that's what every group of kids is doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I, I totally agree. I, I think, I think the childhood experience is very different now. Um, you know, and, and I see it, I see it with my students. I see it with, with my yeah. son. Um, and, and I think especially now, because we're so connected to our screens with COVID um, and not being able to really see people in person, I think that that's taking something away. I would be interested to see once things do start to open up again, if the pendulum swings the other way, because I remember last summer, you know, we like to go on hikes um, and usually that's not a problem to go on a hike. But last summer everybody was going on hikes because there was yeah. nothing else we could do. And I'm and I'm wondering if people are going to appreciate those those simple forms of entertainment: going on a bike ride, going on a hike, skiing. You know, um, you know, just like being outside, mm-hmm. hanging out with people instead of, um, you know, playing remotely on on your, you know, your PlayStation together or something I like so. that. Um, it, it is really different. But, but again, you know, I think that this generation um, doesn't, this is their normal. Know, and it would and be interesting to see like decades <laughs> from now when their parents, you know, what is their children's childhood going to be like? And is it going to be different from theirs? And they are going to, are they going to be nostalgic for their childhood, you know, when I was your age, you know, I could, I, you know, I could, I could get on a, a party on my Xbox. I don't even know if I'm saying the right terminology. Every time I talk to my son, I'm like, Oh, are, are, is, are you on a party? And he just looks at me like,
1: <laughs> "Mom, you're old." <laughs> well, I think, and I bet like every, every generation feels this way. Like I was the last generation that did X or we were the last ones who really appreciated Y. And I mean, and, and it sort of speaks to what I was saying before that you wish you knew then what you know now, because mm-hmm. there's something just so like, painfully beautiful about the summer and you know having those three months of freedom and not having really any real responsibility and just getting lost with your friends and I think that's I mean that's so much of what this movie was it's just the connections you make when you're that age and how those relationships even if you don't have them anymore are so special and long lasting and really have an impact on who you are because in a lot of ways, those are some really formative years that you have.
0: Absolutely. The movie actually reminded me and and you saying that reminded me of um, one of my last memories of all of my friends from high school. And it was the, and it was our last summer right after we graduated before Um, everybody started going off in separate directions for college. And we were really into Frisbees. (laughs) Like we just, I don't know how we got into it, but we were like, we would just get together and we would throw Frisbees and we learned all of the trick throws. Like we were, we were obsessed. Mm -hmm. And my last memory of all of us together And I don't even remember where we were, but we were on some big field somewhere and we were just playing Frisbee, like just an ultimate game. And I remember like we were like running into each other. People were tackling each other. And at one point, and I'll never forget this because I I fell down. Because I was laughing so hard. And I remember looking over and seeing all of my other friends laughing hysterically. And I remember telling them, I'm going to get a little teary-eyed. I think I'm going to cry. I, mean, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so ridiculous. It's not, I remember though. saying to myself, remember this moment. This is a yeah. special moment. And you'll never have this again.
1: Yeah. And I'm movie, so glad that you remember that, though. Like, that's so like I was saying, like, it's so simple, but it's just so beautiful. Like Sean's still so super close with all of his childhood friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm so jealous of that. Like, I just don't have that. And it's so sad because it's like, you know, those to to still be close with people and have gone through so much with people in, especially in those years and still to know each other as adults Mm -hmm. is like, that's incredible. I mean, my old, Sean is my oldest friend, literally my oldest friend, but not counting him. You know, my oldest friend, we became fast friends. I was a sophomore and she was a junior. And, you know, I thank God that we're still, she's one of my best friends. Like, and there are times where we have conversations about like, remember this like crazy thing from high school. And I just, those conversations just mean so much to me because, we're both completely different people now than we were then. But at the same time, like we both see that I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Like we both see that like young person in each other and, you know, have loved each other for all of these years. And it's, you know, it's just, it's, I keep using the word beautiful but that's that's just what it is
0: it really is and you know in the end of the to bring it back to the film at the end when um when they've come back to the town after you know and and they're all standing almost like in like these four corners and and we see Teddy walk away and Vern walk away and Gordy then or the writer as uh, Gordy as an adult you know makes this comment about how it was the that was the last time we were all together. Um, and I and again when I was younger I didn't really get that. But as an adult, I, I get it now because you, you know, these friendships that you make when you're younger, you really believe I'm gonna be friends with this person forever. And it just doesn't always work out like that. And not necessarily because you have a falling out and you don't speak to each other anymore, but because your lives just go in different directions. Like your trajectory is just different than someone else's. And that's neither good nor bad. It just is. It's just life. Um, and, and, you know, as younger Gina, I didn't get that, but I think this movie just stirred up a lot for me. Um, and as you can see from my red eyes, (laughs) you know, it's just, Um, I I think, and I wasn't expecting it. You know, I was, I was excited to watch this film again, but I didn't know it was going to hit me the way it did. Mm -hmm. Like it really, it really hit me in some places that I didn't think it would. Maybe that's
1: partly why I feel like I won't watch it again because it was too, it was almost too hard to watch. Yeah. But clearly Done very brilliantly. That you and I are both like struggling to get through this conversation. I
0: know, right? I mean, I really do think it was. I mean, just from from the beginning, I I I just kept saying, "This is a beautiful film." It's, I think, it's shot so beautifully. Um, I think that that Wheaton, Phoenix, Feldman, and O'Connell. I thought their performances were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'd actually read that Brad um Wanted actors who were similar to, in real life, to the the parts in the in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that, you know, the the casting was just perfect. I think I think all of these boys, you know, just slid into these roles so well. Um, and I and I felt that the camaraderie between them was very believable. Um, and you know what it's interesting again? Another thing that that I that I noticed um, that I reacted to differently, <clears throat> Vern specifically. I remember when I was younger, whenever I'd watched the movie, I always thought he was super annoying. But but watching it this time, and I think it's because I'm a mom, I just wanted to mother him. I just want to like, oh, be nice to Vern. <laughs> like he brought a comb for you guys. I you know? know? How cute
1: was that? He's I so brought a cute. comb. We might be on TV.
0: I know. Right. Like when he lost the comb and he was so sad, so sad, (laughs) but there is actually, and this wasn't, I mean, I didn't pick this as my favorite line, but it was one of my runners up and it's when they're, they're talking realizing they don't have any food and they're like, Vern, you didn't bring any food. And he says, what am I supposed to do? Think of everything. I brought the comb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so funny. (laughs) I also loved, I forget what, someone said to him, but it was some, like, you know, some dig at him. And his response was like, ha ha, that's so funny. I forgot to laugh, (laughs) which is like, you know, such a dorky response, but (laughs) it was, he just, it was, it made me, I like laughed out loud because he said it. So he was so sarcastic. And I, as I was saying before, like, I loved how he would just dish it right back to them. You know, you could tell that sometimes they would say things to him that were hurtful and he took it personally, yeah, but then he also at you know at some point was like,
0: okay, and I feel like for him that was because the other, the other three boys had a lot of baggage. Yeah, and Vern, you know, when at the end of the movie, I was trying to think what was his baggage aside from not remembering where he buried his pennies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering if that was his baggage, you know, being being the the punching bag.
1: I also read that in the novella. Both Vern and Teddy, I keep wanting to call Teddy Jerry, mm-hmm. but that's not his name. No. <laughs> Vern and Teddy, both Both of them also die young. I can't remember how or if it even said how.
0: Wow. Um, well, I'm glad that they didn't have all of them die because I don't think I could handle it. No. <laughs> like, way too dark. <laughs> yeah. Too dark. Yeah.
1: Well, to move things into a little bit of a lighter note, mm-hmm. Um. One of the other things that I, I wrote down in my notes was when they were compiling their money and they had $2.37, which first of all, 237 is like the number Stephen King uses all the time for things.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think is that the, the room number in The Shining? I believe it is. Okay.
1: So first one, I, I can't remember if it's Gordy or Chris who's counting it, but they're like, 237, not bad. And I was like, that's not that much. <laughs> <laughs> And then when they went to when he went to the store and like bought like all these sodas, a loaf of bread, some sort of meat, all for two thirty seven. I was like, man, I wish I lived in nineteen fifty eight or whatever year this was. Two thirty
0: seven goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Also, why ground beef? Why not get hot dogs? They would stay on a stick better, I would think.
1: Yeah, was that not an option? I
0: don't know. I would have gone. I would have gone hot dogs. I would have gone wieners. Not ground beef. Yeah. I felt so bad when Vern lost his meat in the fire, Mm -hmm. but I was excited he found it. I forgot that he finds (laughs) it again.
1: Maybe the ground beef was cheaper than the hot dog.
0: Maybe. Also, I don't think that I would have lasted on that hike not eating anything until dinner. Mm -mm. I would have needed to pack some snacks.
1: Yeah. You, You would have brought snacks and a comb.
0: Yes, I would have. But I guess young boys can, they just have, I mean, boys have just, they have so much energy. Yeah. It just, I don't know where it comes from. Like my son will just go, go, go. And, and I don't know how he does it.
1: So I have one question before okay. we go into the categories. Okay. Why do you think Gordy didn't tell anyone about the deer that he saw?
0: That's a really good question. I don't know. I mean- I, I really don't know if I had to make up an answer right now on the spot, I would imagine that it was probably the first time in a really long time that he felt at peace Mm -hmm. and maybe he wanted to keep that for himself. And maybe he felt or knew intuitively that if he were to tell his friends, they wouldn't get it. You know, like they probably would be like, "So you <laughs> saw a deer," <laughs> you know, yeah, or
1: like make fun of him for
0: right, yeah,
1: even commenting that that was something to to tell them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think because he's a because he's a writer and a storyteller, you know, I, I think he he has an ability to to see the beauty in things that other people might not. Yeah, um, and uh, like he, you know, like Chris, like he sees. In Chris, the potential that no one else does and he tries to motivate him and bring him to a point where he can see what Gordy sees so I don't know maybe maybe that moment with the deer is uh is one of those moments where he's seeing something really beautiful and he knows that it's beautiful and he knows that he's at peace in that moment but um he would choose to keep that for himself it actually made me one like think is there anything that I've just decided never to tell anybody and and say, I'm just gonna keep this to myself. I don't think I think I've shared everything about me and my experiences with at least one person. (laughs) You know?
1: I think I have things that I consciously decide not to tell other people, but I don't think I always remember what they are.
0: What do you think? Why do you think he didn't tell anybody?
1: I think similar. I think it was just a moment where like he finally, you know, he'd been with them this whole time. It was like his first moment by himself. It was something totally unrelated to what they were doing and why they were there. And I think it was exactly, as you say, like a peaceful moment a feeling of peace. And he just wanted to keep it to himself.
0: All right. Should we get into these categories? I think we should. Oh, boy. Okay. This has been a very heavy... Know. podcast so far. I hope people are still like with us right now. We didn't, you know, usually we're like all jokey jokey, but yeah,
1: we'll be funnier next time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't think we will be. <laughs> Wait, you see the movie I picked oh, for no. next time. <laughs> I'm already regretting it, but it's too late. It's okay.
1: This <laughs> is right. what this podcast is. Sometimes we're going to laugh and sometimes we're going to cry
0: and that's, and that's life. We feel all the feels. We do. Yeah. What's our point? total so far, Sonia.
1: Gina, my darling, we are at 15
0: points. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. We are five points away from you picking the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Do you know, you don't have, obviously I'm not going to ask you to tell me, but do you know which movie you're going to pick? I do. Okay. I feel like it's, I
1: have to be prepared now because right, if we get five this time, then I'm picking.
0: It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> it could happen at any moment now. Watch we go like like four episodes, and we don't get any points.
1: That would be our luck.
0: I had that sinking feeling earlier today. Okay. okay,
1: we'll get there when we get there.
0: We'll get there when we get there, right? It's, it's, we are also on our journey. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. First category favorite character. And I'm going first. Yep. So, my favorite character, and I, I mentioned him briefly before, but my favorite character in this film was Denny. Mm. And I and I had said I, part of it might be because I I do have a soft spot for John Cusack. I heart John Cusack so much, um, but I love this character. Um, I love how much Denny loves Gordy. I love that he looks out for him. I love that he you know tries to um, build him up and promote him and turn the spotlight off of him onto his brother. Um, and I also think that it's really interesting how he's only in two scenes very short scenes in the whole film and they're both flashbacks but his his presence is so heavy you know like even though he's not in the film he's a huge part of the story because he is the reason why Gordy is feeling the way he's feeling right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of things come out for Gordy in this film that he's feeling because of this loss. So I feel that um, that makes Denny, even though his his actual like screen time is very, very short, um, I, I think that his role in the story in the bigger scope of it is very is very big. Um, And I, and I just, and I just love that. I just love that big brother relationship. I I thought it, I thought it was beautiful.
1: Um, We don't have a point.
0: That's okay. My
1: favorite character. Do you, I can't remember his name. What was the name of the
0: junkyard dog? Chopper. Chopper. I'm just kidding.
1: It's not him. (laughs) You know what?
0: Can I tell you? I wrote in my notes, is Sonia going to say Chopper. (laughs) It's if in Chopper, my notes.
1: <laughs> I felt bad for Chopper. He just wanted someone to pet him. He was really cute. And I do, he he is probably my real favorite character, but mm-hmm. I didn't think I could make him count. My mm-hmm. actual favorite character, <laughs> at least for the podcast.
0: For the humans.
1: <laughs> for the humans was Chris Chambers. Okay. And a lot of my reason is the same of why you love Denny so much, because I felt like Chris Chris was so super supportive of Gordy. I think Gordy is like really the focal point of the movie um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, as you said, he's the only one whose parents you see, you see most of his backstory. And he's and narrating
0: it. He's narrating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also that,
1: that whole thing. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, Chris is a very supportive character to him. Um, and, and I think especially seeing, the loss that Gordy has experienced with Denny's passing. And, you know, I think Chris also gets it. Like Chris has a brother and his brother sucks. Yeah. And you know, to see all of their brothers suck. And to see that there is, there is the potential to have a brother who doesn't suck, who loves you and is supportive. And for his friend, who's presumably the only person he knows who has one of those brothers to lose that brother I think Chris felt like he needed to sort of step into that role and, you know, encouraging him to take the college courses, you know, don't spend your time with us, you know, just because we're friends now, it doesn't mean we should be holding you back. Um, And I particularly loved when, when Gordy asked him, like, do you think I'm weird? And Chris's response was like, yeah, but so what? Everyone's weird.
0: And that's so true. And that's so what you
1: need to hear when you're that age and you feel like you're a freak.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. Chris was my was a very close second. I loved, I loved that character so much, and, and the relationship between the two. And I and I love it when uh, he even says they're they're talking about Gordy's father, and then Chris is like, "I wish I was your dad," you know, and because mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. almost like he's just kind of assuming that role. Like, I'm just going to be your dad. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Yeah. Least favorite character. If we don't have the same answer, I would be really, really surprised. But I don't know. The way you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I put her least favorite character, Ace. We oh, no. We don't
1: have the same character.
0: Are you kidding me? I said Ace, and I just wrote, he's a douche. He is. He's just a terrible, terrible person. Like, there, he's, he's an awful person. There's nothing, nothing redeeming. You know, if there was anything I would be interested to have added to this film and I don't know if we get more of a backstory in the novella or if he's just sort of this like one-dimensional villain Mm -hmm. um like I don't you know I'd be interested to know why Ace is the way that he is you know he's just he's just so horrible I know um he's awful yeah just every single interaction with everybody with the with the younger boys with his with his gang like he's just cobras yeah oh, I know. Oh,
1: you're gonna make me mess up the tail part <laughs> um did you ever watch 24 yes it was so hard to watch this movie and not think of Jack Bauer and be yeah. like Jack can you get it together here like you're a good guy what are you doing
0: yeah Kiefer Sutherland he actually he's I'm in a lot of his roles I I know him as a villain he plays a great yeah villain but always well, oh, my,
1: my least favorite character or worst character is Gordy's dad.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I, we talked about him a little bit before, and I completely understand, you know, and, and you referenced Gordy's mom. And clearly mm-hmm. the two of these characters are struggling and having a horrible, horrible time. And, you know, I, I don't have children, but I couldn't imagine what that feels like to lose a child But I do think that if I had two children and I lost one, I would cling to the other one just because, you know, you know that that is, you know, the relationship or the, the the having a child could be fleeting and it shouldn't be, but it can be. But you said yourself, it's clear that there was a disconnect even before that had happened and that That sort of solidified why Gordy's dad was the worst because he just didn't care about him. And, you know, in an opportunity where, okay, I can understand having a kid that you connect with more. You're more proud of their sports abilities than their writing ability. But again, you've just lost one of your sons. Wouldn't you then realize that, oh, I need to change how I interact with this person because they could be gone. And he doesn't get there. And like, grow up, dude
0: you make a very compelling argument. Thank you. Yeah, he is pretty terrible. Well, I'm, I'm gonna stick by my answer, but but yeah, I think uh, I, I, I totally agree. I, I the father, I, and I think that was, that was also something that I wasn't expecting because I'd forgotten about that, um, you know, again, as a parent, like seeing, you know, watching a father basically, I, I mean, not outwardly reject, but ignore, his son mm-hmm. is heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. He says
1: like, I became the invisible child.
0: And yeah, so that is really sad. Ah, oh. all right. Um, worst, least convincing performance. Sonia, don't hate me for my answer that okay. I said, chopper as a <gasps> scary dog oh, but that's okay because he just wanted someone to rub his tummy I know. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't <laughs> scary at all he was just a cute pup <laughs> he was so cute and I had a hard time because I thought all the performances in the film were really good so I I you know I I I this I struggled with this with this category I went with chopper chopper was not scary to me I, I would love to take Chopper home. I think Chopper, like you said, he just wants to be petted. He just wants to be loved. I don't think he's loved by by the I uh no,
1: he's just misunderstood. The junkyard
0: owner. He's misunderstood.
1: Um, well, I chose Ch- the actor who played Charlie Hogan. Okay. Um, so he was the blonde one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of like bleach blondes in this movie, but he yeah. was the blonde one who was talking on the porch with the other guy when Vern was under the porch yeah i thought he just did a, not a great job
0: you know it's interesting i i when i was watching the movie i was like i remember this guy from from another movie and i couldn't place it so then i checked on imdb so the actor is gary Riley, yep. and the movie i know him from is summer school Have nope never it? Summer saw school it. okay <laughs>
1: That's just what I say now.
0: <laughs> no, no, never saw it. Um, there were actually a lot of really so many. Oh my gosh. I even wrote them all down like John Cusack. Okay. I'm not going to list his movies because I'm going to throw a John Cusack movie at you at some point. Okay. Um, but um, Vern's brother, Casey, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Shamasco. Right. He was in a bunch of movies. One of my favorites that he was in is three o'clock high. Have you ever seen that?
1: Nope. Never even heard of it.
0: Okay it's so good it's like it's like a it's like a play on high noon but in a high school
1: I don't know what high noon is oh god okay (laughs) (laughs) this is going really well this podcast is never gonna end
0: (laughs) it's never gonna end um and then and then Gordy's mom Frances Lee McCain she's the mom from Gremlins have you seen Gremlins uh
1: maybe not the whole thing but maybe parts of it
0: okay okay um, and then the dad that you talked about, Marshall Bell, um, he was in Twins, which I think you said you've never seen.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I think like, like I think that's one of those movies that I remember the commercials,
0: but you never no. saw the movie. Yeah, okay. And he was also in Total Recall. Have you seen Total Recall? No never saw it. Okay. Best performance. my my pick for best performance was River Phoenix as Chris.
1: We got a point.
0: Yes, yeah, yes. He's so good. He's he's so so young. River Phoenix in this film, I I, mean, what a loss because he, I mean, he had Mm -hmm. such a good career and then, you know, died at such a young age, but I mean, what talent. And I know I had said this before that um, Rob Reiner wanted to cast actors who were very similar um, to the roles that they were playing. And what, what really got me about River Phoenix's performance was that he just had that perfect mix of the child and, and the adult, you know, I felt like his, his movement back and forth between those two roles was very seamless. Mm -hmm. Um, like he knew instinctively when it was okay to, to joke around and he knew when he needed to step up and be more of an adult. And, and there's even just something about his, his look and his expression, like, some just something very mature about him um that I thought translated so well into into that role and into his performance. I I thought he was spectacular.
1: I agree with everything you said. And I went immediately down a River Phoenix rabbit hole just, you know, looking everything up, like every movie he was in, the circumstances of his death. I was thinking about I think he's the first he's the first celebrity death that I remember and he died in 1990 something I want to say 1993
0: that, that sounds about right he I think he was what was he 26 when he, he was 23 23 okay
1: but I remember I remember that and like not really being super familiar with who he was at the time but knowing he was like a young a young person and a young star and that this was like a tragic accidental death. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like so like his name is just always stuck with me and so yeah the second you said we were watching this I like went right down the rabbit hole which I think mm-hmm. then kind of set my mood for watching the movie too like cuz you know every so often like when he's doing these incredible scenes you're just thinking like gosh I would have loved to see what he would be doing now because it would whatever it is it would be incredible.
0: And I think just the fact that you know his character dies Mm -hmm. Um, and that that scene that that last shot that we see of him um, you know when he's walking away from the treehouse and then he stops and looks at Gordy and then he walks and he continues to walk and then he just dissolves I mean that was that really got to me too because Mm -hmm. it's not just the character that's gone but that but the actor is gone too Yeah, yeah man we are really bumming everybody out today (laughs) all right you lost me at so this was I didn't expect this to be my answer because when I was younger I this was one of my always one of my favorite parts of the film but this time around you lost me at the lard ass story. Uh-huh. Um and it's weird because I remember always thinking it was so funny when I was younger when I was growing up and watching this movie it was one of my favorite moments of the film but for some reason it just didn't get, I, it just, I just didn't care for it this time around. Um, I think I was so engrossed in the main storyline and, and I was really like really connecting with the gravity of the story and their journey and, and, and also the baggage that they're all carrying with them, you know, not the canteens and the knapsacks, but you know, all of the the things that are, that, that they're taking with them from their homes and their families. And, yeah. um, you know, I was just really feeling the weight of it and the Lardas story. I don't know. It just, it, it was almost too jarring for me this time around. And I feel like that's a really, I think I'm, you know, probably going to upset a lot of people by saying that, um, and I understand why it's in the story you know I know that it's a chance for us to see what Gordy as a as a 13 year old writer is like like what kinds of stories is he creating in his mind so it's interesting to see like the young writer you know like you know in in the in like this like early stage of his of his craft but yeah I I it I almost felt like it was just really mean (laughs) like they're you know and especially because they are always picking on Vern for being fat and again we talked earlier about I I don't really think Vern is fat like I think he just didn't lose his baby fat yet you know um but but you know but and then to write a story about someone who is obese and then you know joint you know and everyone's just saying all these really mean things to him I don't know I just thought it was mean
1: yeah (laughs) um I'm not sure if we get a point or not. So, I, my, my you lost me at was just grossness. Like mm-hmm. the whole, so in that scene, there's like the whole everyone's puking and like that was, and it, I had to cover my eyes because I'm mm-hmm. just like not good with that. Yeah. And then even the, and then the leeches, which, mm-hmm. oh, I should say, so, I almost wonder if I've seen this movie before, or at least seen that part, because when they were crossing through the river, I was like, oh no, leeches, Uh and like, that scene was very familiar to me. Okay. So, this could be one of the, nope, don't remember I ever saw it, but I think we'll still say nope, never saw it. So, I, yeah, for me, it was the gross scene, so I don't know if we get a point or not.
0: Well, I mean, when you were writing the gross scenes, were you including the lardass story? Yeah, that was the first. That was
1: the first one, and then I threw the leeches in there because I also covered my eyes during that.
0: I feel like that counts. Okay, even if it's for different reasons, I think we get a point. I do too. Okay, and as we said before, we can do whatever we
1: want, right? Because it's
0: our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there's no one overseeing <laughs> us, and we don't have a judge saying no. It doesn't count. Yep. <laughs> Yes. So yay, another point. All right. Okay. You had me at, I, my answer for you had me at was Chris and Gordy's bromance
1: Mm.
0: because I love, I love their friendship. I love it so much. I love that um, because it really is about them, you know, like, yes, Teddy and Vern are a part of this this foursome, but it's really Chris and Gordy's story. It's really Gordy's story about Chris because the movie begins with him as an adult reading the article about Chris's death. Yeah, um, and that you know, and that spawns the whole story that he writes and chooses to tell. So, um, the obviously the focus is going to be on the two of them, but I just thought that their friendship was so beautiful. Um, because of how supportive, and, and we've touched on this already in, in other parts of the conversation, just how supportive they were of each other, how much they genuinely loved each other and cared about each other. I, I just thought it was so beautiful. I, I just thought that what they had was really special. And I think it transcended the, the friendships that they had with Teddy and Vern, which, you know, As we, as we find out, Teddy and Vern kind of go off in different directions and they don't really hang out with them anymore. But it seems like Chris and Gordy stuck together all through middle school and high school. And I Um, noticed that
1: too, like even in the scenes where they're walking, a lot of times like Chris and Gordy would be walking in a pair and then Vern and Teddy would be walking in a pair. And then like when they get to the place where they think the body is, when they split up, it's Chris and Gordy and Vern and Teddy. What was your Sonia? We almost had a point. Really? Almost, because I originally was going to just say like their friendships uh-huh. and, and particularly thinking about Chris and Gordy. Um, mm-hmm. But then I expanded it to just fully the, all the nostalgia, just the way that it made me feel.
0: Damn it. So,
1: <laughs> the other one was borderline, maybe a point. We <laughs> we this one.
0: I don't think you lost me. That was borderline. You said gross stuff. That's that included included the Lardass story. <laughs> in I specifically case anyone said the Lard-ass is thinking story.
1: it's borderline.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I feel like I feel like if we had to go to court on it, I think we'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I agree. I the I think that the film does evoke this feeling of nostalgia. I mean, how could it, you know, especially like you said for those of us who grew up with a childhood kind of like that. You know, mm-hmm. where you had those summers where you were just outside with your friends hanging out and yeah, you know, mom, I'm going to my friend's house and just coming home whenever, yeah. um, not being tethered to a, to a GPS device or a cell phone or, you know, it was just a different time. Favorite line. So I, I know I had, um, referenced the one about, uh, Vern bringing the comb, where <laughs> they didn't have food. And then I had some others that I really liked um chopper sick balls was one of them I liked when chopper said arf <laughs> I also like when Gordy said to a suck my fat one you cheap dime store hood that <laughs> was Chris amazing was like where did suck that come my from fat one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and then And then I also like the, I kind of like the line friends come in and out of your life, like busboys at a restaurant. I'm not like crazy about the simile, like the comparison there, but, but yeah, but I I think I like the sentiment and I agree with that. Yeah. So my favorite line, and you know what, I, I just feel like maybe this just tracks with the overall tone (laughs) of this podcast, because normally the favorite, my favorite line is like the line that makes me laugh the most. But for this movie, I think the line that really stood out to me and especially this viewing, because like I said, I really, I really fell into the the weight and the and the gravity of of the emotion, of what was happening in their journey. And it's when Gordy says, We're going to see a dead kid. Maybe it shouldn't be a party. Oh,
1: that's a great
0: line. Yeah, because I feel like that line really in a lot of ways is the center of Of so much of the film you know because they 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 are on this journey together and and again I do feel like this movie does talk about that transition from childhood to we'll say adolescence you know and and as you know in your childhood like you said like you know, we're so carefree and we don't have responsibility and, and life is just easy, but the older we get, the harder things get. And the more we, we wrestle with the seriousness of, of certain things, you know, because we have to. Um, And I think that when Gordy says this, we're going to see a dead kid, maybe it shouldn't be a party. I think he, you know, he's bringing that to the surface. Like we, you know, almost like this acknowledgement that things are different now. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, we are, we are going to change because of this. So I I felt like that was just a really crucial line in the whole film.
1: I really thought we were going to have the same one because you described mine very well as, as well. I did. Yeah. I mean, and same thing, like it captures the full sentiment of what we've talked about and just sort of what I think this movie is about. And mine is, I never had any friends later on, like the ones I had when I was 12 Jesus. Does anyone?
0: Oh, I do love that line. Well, you know what I'm going to say? I say what? yes, because we didn't meet when we were 12. <laughs> it's True. It is
1: true. It is very true.
0: But, but it, but it does go back to what you were saying about how your friends from high school and, and, you know, your friend that you mentioned before, um, how she knows you as your younger self, you know, and I, and I think that there is something really special about that. You know, like one of my best friends. Beth, you know, Beth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, we've known each other since first grade. Um, You know, we've been, you know, we've been there for all of our um, milestones and, and this, this whole cycle of life from like grammar school to junior high, high school, college, like getting married, having kids, you know, and she probably knows me even though I don't see her all the time. And we don't get to talk all the time like those are the people that when you see them again things just pick up as if you saw them the day before and yeah. they know you deeper than anybody else does
1: yeah and you I know? do I mean I it, it feels sort of guilty now because I do have a couple of friends who I've known since gosh first grade and are still in my life and you know, we have moments where we're closer than other moments where we're not so close. And, you know, I, that's probably the closest to what I have to this in, Mm -hmm. in terms of like knowing people at different stages of your life. It's just like the consistency is, Mm -hmm. is, I think the thing that I envy that you have with Beth.
0: Well, but it's, but again, I mean, it could be, even if you didn't know them since you were, you know, five, it doesn't mean that they're not special to you, yeah. you know, and, and it's just, and and it's like, it's like that, you know, that line, like friends, you know, friends come in and out of your life, like busboys at a restaurant. It's true. Like you do. And, and I do think that there are some, there are people that come in and out of your life. And I think that not that I think that they're meant to, but I think that there are certain people that are a part of your life during a time when you need them, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they serve a purpose for you. Yeah, and and that and and then and that doesn't mean that when they've served their purpose, that's that you don't need them anymore. But but I think that every single person that you have a connection with and a relationship with is playing a major role in your journey.
1: Yeah, Um, and and in some of those cases too, like you know, to think of the the people that I've known for so long, like we're closer now because, like you say, like that. You've just because you know each other doesn't mean you're going to be close and have a relationship. It's all about where your life takes you. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, I'm thankful that, you know, I, I, yes, I've known you since first grade, but we're closer now because of the experiences that we had. And maybe if we had been closer, then you wouldn't be in my life now. And that would be a detriment.
0: I think that even though, you know, this wasn't like our most jokey, silly episode, I really am glad that we talked about all of Me these too. things. And I am going to say that I think my friend's connection was very appropriate because uh-huh. we've been talking so much now about friendships <laughs> and, and connecting with other people. See, it all ties we in together. Full circle. Full circle. Do we get a point for that?
1: Uh, no. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> police says no.
0: But we did get two points. We did. We did get two points. So we're at 17 now?
1: 17.
0: Oh boy. So we just need three more points. It could be
1: next episode.
0: It could be next episode. Would you like to know what we're going to be watching for our next episode?
1: Can't wait to find out.
0: All right. So I didn't know that our conversation was going (laughs) to get so heavy this time. So I'm going to apologize in advance for my choice. But I do think that this is a film that you should see. Okay. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Our next movie that we're going to be watching is Drumroll please. <strange noise> Saving Private Ryan. Oh. So what is it about, Sonia?
1: Private Ryan has gone to war and he needs to be rescued because he's played by Matt Damon who often needs to be rescued in movies. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> that's like a thing, like The Martian Saving okay. Ryan um, and other movies. I will come to the next podcast with more. Okay. Um, so yeah, he has to be saved, maybe by his brothers, but that feels like I'm mixing up movies. Um, so I don't know if it goes well or not, but we'll find out next time.
0: Okay. <laughs> I think I think this is the most like off point you've been in a plot summary. <laughs> But, but I, but I enjoyed it and I can't wait to read all of that back to you, especially your little Matt Damon tangent. That's going to be really, really fun. That's going to be really good. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so this might be another like deep, heavy episode or maybe it'll, maybe, I mean, you know what? You all are just going to have to come back and find out for yourselves. Anything Anything. could happen on Nope Never Saw It. So I'm excited. (laughs) Me too. Because it's always an adventure with my friend. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at nnsipod and join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about Saving Private Ryan. We'll see you then because we've got lots more to watch. And I've seen nothing. So please keep listening.
1: And we'll keep watching.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.